Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Let's take a look. Perk Yud, Pasuk Yud, chapter 10, verse 10. In Keo HaBarzel, if the iron has been literally faded or blunted, Vehu lo fonim kilkal, and he has not sharpened the faces literally with the sides of the blade, it's not uh, gone about the process necessary to keep the blade in top working order. Vachayolim yigaber, and the soldiers of, or those of valor will need to exert themselves, increase their might. Vayistron hachsher chachma, and the superiority of preparation is wisdom, or wisdom is the superiority of preparation. Quite a, a cryptic verse. Just in, in terms of simple pshat, a simple, straightforward interpretation of the verse. Let's look at some of the other mafarshim before I get to Targum. Let's look at the Masudas David. Im keo habarzel, im barzel lahavacherev neker neshchach v'nech. Shach, we're describing the blade of some axe of some sort, some type of cutting implement that has become muddled, clouded, darkened. So we're describing blunted, it's not a gleaming, smooth, sharp blade. But to have his beer, Amar upon him, Kilkal, for further clarification. Describe King Solomon ex, ex, describes what's going on. He has not put in the proper maintenance of the knife. That's why it is dull. But Needs to say that the appearance of the blade, the faces of the blade, are not gleaming and clear. Vachayolim yigaber. In Kozet, nonetheless, he can achieve ascendancy and strength in war. As Anshe Achayel, the man of valor, to achieve victory over those that wage war against them. This requires a great exertion of might to succeed with inferior tools of war. This one hachsher chachma. Od yaseh kishon yesh la chachma. Kamoshin amar tova chachma milklikrav. Similar to a verse earlier we saw in Koheles. Greater, superior to 
the tools of war is wisdom. So that could be to achieve peace, to avert war. Over here, it's saying even within the context of war, the wisdom and foresight to prepare the implements properly will yield greater effectiveness that otherwise would require tremendous exertion to achieve. Similar to this idea, I read in the name of Abraham Lincoln, if you had eight hours to chop down a tree, he'd spend six of those hours sharpening the axe. Okay, that that's a similar idea over here, that using this tool, a person has choices. If they use it when it's not in good shape, they're going to have to work really hard, or they have to put in effort to keep it sharp, and then it'll go more smoothly. Those are the choices. Clearly, the advantage of the preparation is the foresight of wisdom to be more effective. Let's see this far now. Vizet. I don't know why he says Vizet. And this does seem to be connecting this verse to the previous one. Im kea habarzel vehu lo fonim kilkal vachayolim yigaber vizet yikra lo kishiboka eitzim begarzen bilti hagam This is the result of one chopping wood with a blunt axe. Shikvakeh barzel shel garzen. The axe head is dull. Ve'im zeh she'ein barzel muchan chayolim igaber v'samitz libakabo. In this circumstance where the axe is not properly prepared, those of valor will strengthen themselves and exert themselves to effectively chop down the tree using this inferior implement. But to succeed is not easy when one has an inferior blunt tool. Veloshon kilkal veloshon nechoshes kala. This word of Kilkal is similar to another verse in Cheskel Alavzain of gleaming copper, the idea that it's polished or sharpened, kept in top shape. The Sofarno is connecting this to the previous verse, presumably the most recent part of the verse, one who chops wood will be endangered through them, that the using of an inferior axe can lead to accidents more readily. Counterintuitively, sometimes using a dull blade can be associated with more occupational hazards. Using a blade that's sharp 
and ready for use in the manner that it's intended is often safer than using something that's not in the shape that it's intended to be used. Let's take a look at the tagging. And when the nation, the house of Israel, sins, is guilty. This Abdun Shemaya Takifin Kiparzala Mil Achosa Mitra, and the heavens are hard, made hard like iron to not give forth rain. Ve'ahu dara lot salu kadom adonai and that generation does not pray before God. Begin came on account of that iskalkel kol alma bechafna on account of this Terrible, tragic circumstance. The sins of the house of Israel and the lack of relating to those sins in the proper way as a catalyst for returning to God. This has a disastrous con- consequence for the world. On account of this, is Kal Kel Kol Alma. The entire world is devastated with famine. Hafna. I guess it really is the Jews' fault. Chadu Saivin, and when they do return, Umiskanshin. And gather together, Uchlosin, the population, Umis Gabrin al Yisrael, and they exert their might to strengthen themselves to overcome their evil inclination, literally their inclination. We're talking about Kadichovun Amo Beisisrael, clearly Yitzrehon means the Yitzhara. And they appoint their strong ones like iron. Interesting terminology as a, a metaphor for, for the Jews of scholarship, to seek out divine mercy. The God of the heavens to give forth rain. Is Bahon Rava, there is for them a sense of pleasure, a Mosar Achsharos on the achievement, the superiority of the preparation with wisdom by the broader congregation doing to chew, gathering together, working to overcome their evil inclination and appointing for their leadership in these prayers, 
Tamirei Chachamim, the Torah scholars, they will benefit and reap the rewards for this wisdom. That's the Targum. This designation of Barzi Leon, their ones of iron, to describe the Tamir Chachamim, we find a similar designation in Tainus Davdalad Amaralev. Vam Ravashi, Kol Talmi Chacham, She'eno Kosha Kibarzel, Eino Talmi Chacham. Any Torah scholar that is not as hard as iron is not a Torah scholar. Shnemar, as the verse states, Uchipatish Ifotsis Sola. And like a hammer, he shall shatter a rock. Let's take a look at Tainus of Zainam and Beis. 7b, which discusses various expositions of this verse. Rabbi Ami says, concerning that which is written in our verse, Im the exposition of it, if the blade is blunted and he has not sharpened it, Imroisa Rakia Shakia Kebarza Milhoritala Matar. If you've seen the firmament that is like blunt iron and is not bringing forth the dew, Umatar and rain, Bishfilmasa Hadur, this is because of the acts of the generation. Shahemikul Kali. That they are literally broken, but depraved. Shenemar, as the verse continues, Vihu lofanim kilkal. Ma talkanosan. So, what is the way to rectify this? Yizgabru birachmim. They should strengthen themselves in mercy. Shenemar, as the verse continues, and the valorous ones should exert themselves in strength. The Yisron, and wisdom, meaning the foresight of preparation, is superior. That in this line of interpretation, is understood all the more so if their deeds are prepared from the outset, if they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They don't need to go and exert themselves to achieve divine mercy. If they do what they're supposed to do and avoid what they're supposed to avoid, they will have the dew and the rain in its times. They'll have the blessings that the Torah promises. That, of course, is superior. Another interpretation. So, just uh, before we go to the next interpretation, this first interpretation is the similar vein that we saw in the Targum. Targum is working along those lines of interpretation with actually a, a little bit more development 
than we have in the Gemara about the scope of the problem and the details of the solution, but it's clearly working along the same lines. Another interpretation, Rishlokish Amen. Rishlokish said, Imra Yisa Talmud, if you've seen a student, that his learning is hard for him, like iron, because of the lack of clarity of his prior teaching. He doesn't have a solid foundation. The Talmud is the exposition of the Mishnah, but if the Mishnah is obscured and muddled in his own mind, he will only further be challenged when he tries to engage in deeper exposition on something he doesn't have clear. He must have a solid foundation. Shenamar, the who, lo fonim kilka. As she says, shekashahu lo merov kushios bishvil mishnasa shenasadurlo. He's plagued by an abundance of challenges because he doesn't have clarity in the Mishnah. He doesn't remember what's written in the Mishnah. He doesn't know how to analyze it. Inami, alternatively. He has erroneous texts within the Mishnah, so he's dealing with an unsound foundation fundamentally. Poter al hachiv, meschayv al poter, poter. He has some corruption where he thinks that the ruling exempts that which is obligated or holds liable that which is exempt. Makshila, and then he has hard, a hard time trying to understand that because it doesn't make sense. The Jotchariti from other places that he doesn't have corrupted. This is an implication of this verse. The who lo fanim kilkal. Shinodea, Shmu also mibne, Shepanim kilkal, Shakilka Mishnah, Shikotim Ligmar. He has an error in his Mishnah, either due to an erroneous text or it's muddled in his mind to some degree. He's going to have problems in Gemara. It's the obvious consequence. Maitakante, what is the solution, how can he rectify this problem? He should increase yeshiva. Yeshiva literally means to be sitting. It means to be focused, dedicated to the correct acquisition of divine wisdom. And implicit in yeshiva also is bachabura in a gathering. And this will help him to correct whatever the errors are, get the Mishnahs straight, the, the basics, in a manner that will lend themselves towards a correct exposition through Gemara, through Talmud. Rashi says, Yarbabi Yeshiva, Shizdir b'nei ha-yeshiva mishnasam shenema chayalim b'in talmidim shen chayalos chayalos 
the students of the yeshiva are, are like those of valor, like a, a formation, a battalion, as it were, that has this strength in their gathering. The increase of yeshiva, his immersion in yeshiva, will help root out whichever the problems are. Is it an incorrect text? Is it an incorrect understanding? To be able to build correctly from there. That's another interpretation of this verse. The end of the verse, the kol shekein imish nosa sedur lo All the more so, if he does actually have it correct, if the teaching was ordered properly. So then the ribui, the yeshiva will be even more fruitful. Instead of just working out the kinks of misunderstandings, muddled understandings, the advantage of being marba yeshiva, increasing his focused pursuit of the will of God, the Dvar Hashem, will be even more fruitful. Kiha Dresh Lakish. This teaching is supported by the practice of Rish Lakish. Of Mesadim Asnis Zinit. He would arrange, order the Mishnayas he learned 40 times. Keneged Mem Yom Corresponding to the 40 days within which the Torah was given. And then he would come before Rabbi Yochanan, his teacher, his master, in order to work on the exposition of the Mishnah, of the Talmud, of the Gemara, only after he had a very sharp foundation, clear understanding of the Mishnah. Rabbi prepared the Mishnahs 24 times. Neged Tornavim Ksuvim. Corresponding to the entire corpus of the written law, Torah, prophets, and writings. And then he would come before Rava to learn. This is a, another interpretation of the verse from Rava. I know that along these lines, not to necessarily prepare 40 times or 24 times, but Rav Shirkin told us numerous times, a person has to prepare in advance, before the shir. And if somebody doesn't prepare before the shir, he says they're not going to gain. Not that it's worthless, of course, there's a gain, but there's no comparison. The preparation will, prior to the shir, gives a person an entirely different capacity to, to achieve understanding. Mm-hmm. They have a third interpretation of this verse from Rava. If you see a student who is struggling with his learning, it's hard for him like iron. We feel rabo, she'en him. 
because of his master, the Rebbe, is not relating to him in a manner that he is able to understand clearly. Shanamar, as the verse states, Behu lo fanim kilkal. Maitakante, what should this student do? Yabal of he should impress upon his friends. Shanamar, as the verse states, the Hemshech of the verse continuity, Vachayolim yigaber, and the valorous ones should achieve strength, the Yisrom, Hachshir Chochma. That's the conclusion of the verse, all the more so if his deeds were viewed as kosher before his Rebbe from the outset. Then this would not be necessary. But if he feels that he is being Distance from his Rebbe, perhaps because he's not acting the way he should or doing things he shouldn't do, not doing what he should do, whatever it might be. So he should, Rashi says, to appease the Rebbe, to show him grace, as it were. But all this would not be necessary if he ensured that his deeds were acceptable before his Rebbe from the beginning. That's a third interpretation. I'm going back to Targum that is giving an exposition of the first interpretation of the Gemara along those lines. Targum says, an account of the sins of the house of Israel, the entire world is devastated by famine. Jewish people need to do teshuva. Jewish people need to return to God. This is critical for the whole world. Like Gemara Nivamas, Samach Gimel describes this similar dynamic. Let's see, we have some teachings from Rabbi Elazar. Omar Rabbi Elazar, I see that which is written, very famous verse, describing an element of blessing from God to Avram, Abraham. Vavarecha vurechecha, mukalecha aar, the one who blesses you will be blessed, the one who curses you will be cursed. And through you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Amen. So Rabbi Elazar understands this verse. Amalek, Avram, the Holy One, blessed be He, said to Abraham, Two good blessings I have to enrich you, within you. Ruth HaMoavia, Naama HaMonis. Ruth from Moab, Naama from Amon. Ko Mishchos 
all of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Even the families that live in the earth. Their blessing comes on account of the Jewish nation, the children of Israel. This is an exposition. All of the nations of the land, even ships that are coming from Gaul to Spain, which apparently the time of the writing of the Talmud were considered not major Torah centers. They nonetheless only achieve blessing for the Jewish people, for the nation of Israel. And Rabbi Lazar further expounded, In the future, all of the masters of trade, various specialty trades that are source of wealth will stand on the ground. Meaning, they, they will abandon their trades and rather subsist from the ground as the verse states in Yechezkel, they will go down from their ships, all of the sailors, all of the captains, on the ground they shall stand. And to understand the context, Rabbi Lazar explains, this prophecy of the future is describing a massive change that is so counterintuitive, hard to understand. These people, people obviously choose various professions to sustain themselves. And as Chachma tells us through Adam Smith and Seichel Yasha, part of the calculation of what people decide to do when they are being osik, bishuba shalolo, engaging in presenting something to the society of benefit through which they can be sustaining themselves as well, they're going to choose something that there is a demand for. And that's often determined by an anticipated income for a given profession. People are drawn to professions because they will be a livelihood. So here we have all these professionals, all of these Specialties. This, the guy's a, a brain surgeon. I don't know what he is. Something very, a, a very big omnis. 
And he's going to go and become, what, a subsistence farmer? He's going to go and till his backyard? That's the messianic future. It's shocking. <laughs> yeah. And Rabbi Lezer says, Rabbi Lezer says, and don't think that this is uh, the, the, the greatest job ever. He says it's, there's no lower job than working the, the, the earth in terms of the anticipated revenue, if you're trying to get rich, as it were. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's describing an abundance of wealth in the Messianic era where people will not be drawn to various professions that could be more lucrative. They will have so much just taking care of their their garden that they won't need to be preoccupied with other things that require the omnis, which of course are much more lucrative, but who cares? They can afford to subsist from the most Mm -hmm. menial, simple elements. The lowest subsistence farmer, there's nothing less than that. And that's what all of these specialists are going to do. That is the messianic vision that he is deriving from this verse in Sephaniah. Rabbi Lazar said earlier in the Gemara, Amr Rabbi Lazar, Kol Adam lo Isha Eno Adam. That's one thing. A man needs to be married. As it says, Zachar Nakeba Baram. Male and female, he created them. Adam is the greater unit. Baikra Shemam Adam. And he called their name, their name, Adam. Bama Rabbi Lazar. Kol Adam Shemel Kaka Eno Adam. Lazar also says, any man that does not have real property is not fully a man. The earth was given to the sons of man. Part of being a man is having land. We are meant to be connected to the land. Tosus is bothered by this. Tosus says, this is the same Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar seems to be disparaging tilling the soil for one's one's sustenance. And yet he says, a person who doesn't have land is not a man. Tosos answers, you have to say that the element of real property that a person needs to fully be a man is real property, a place to call home that he can live there. It's not subject to the whim of of his landlord. If he's a tenant, he might need to be uh, sent away from this property. If he owns it, he can build his property there. He can set down roots, so to speak. Tosos explains, as well, not just to have a residence. One shouldn't be subject to forced movement. The need for real property, for the full experience of being a man, a complete man, in accordance with what Papa said, Samo, planned, but not for sale. That also seems to be part of the ideal. But here, Rabbi Lazar seems to be disparaging the lowest of trades. Subsistence farmer is where his primary occupation to subsist is through working the land. If that's what he needs to be doing just to survive, that is 
on the lowest scale, as it were, just eking out an existence, but nothing more in his life from his toiling and sweating, working the ground. That is what Rabbi Lazar is saying is the lowest occupation. But clearly he's speaking about a messianic vision. This lowest of occupations will be the choice occupation in the sense that people won't need to devote their entire bulk of their waking hours to just eking out a living. So they can devote more of their time to developing themselves as human beings in the way God intended, not merely to be doing busy work and toiling uh, as was necessary uh, post-expulsion from eating. That element, as a deterrent of sin, will not be a necessary anchor to a human being. And a person will be able to engage in a very minimal way with their sustenance, their needs, and devote themselves to more godly pursuits. And therefore, they won't need to exert themselves in the same way that those seeking a, a greater, more opulent lifestyle need to join a guild or whatnot, they need to pursue a specialized profession, that won't be necessary. Obviously, this era of abundance will be in a society where anything that is needed will be available in a manner that does not require tremendous exertion. So people will be able to devote little time towards those pursuits of sustenance. And that is the way of the future. That is what Rabbi Lazar says is the messianic vision. Does this entail a change in the natural order? I don't believe so. When you say a change in the natural order, you could say a reversion to the natural order. Okay. I mean, in other words, will material reality alter? Um... Revert to the pre-exile from Eden oh. world of curses. Right. Okay. So the curse will be lifted. Is that right? And the true natural order right. of tremendous blessing okay. with minimal exertion will be reinstated. Now, I read somewhere that God, when God created the, the, that first order with the Garden of Eden, that it was not perfect. In fact, that his intention was that we perfect it. So in other words, the idea of completing, uh, where he says in, in Genesis, it says uh, that uh, the, that God finished from all the work that he had created to make means it means to be completed by man with God. It's a question. So, in other words, the world was never perfect in the first place.
we said the world was never perfect. Yes. The creation of man, it doesn't say tov, doesn't say good in a sense of complete. Right. Other facets of creation, it does say tov. Oh, it does. And oh, yes, it well, does. Yes, Please look. Very good. It yes. sure does. Yeah. So there is an element of work for man to do to have his own hand in completing himself, yeah. but that the broader creation consistently, the handiwork of God is oh. described as good, complete. The zebra doesn't need to go to college. <laughs> not, not that man does, but you know what I'm saying. The Gemara continues after a few lines. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Maravino. Others have a different girsa. Just Rabbi Elazar, the same Rabbi Elazar that we've had all along. Ain Puranus Bala Olam El Bishvil Yisrael. Punishments don't come to the world other than on the account of Israel. Shanema, as the verse states, in Sefanio, Ichrati Goyim Noshamu Pinosom, Echeravti Hutsosom Mibli Over, I cut off nations, made them desolate, made their gathering places desolate, I destroyed their courtyards to have no traveler. Nitzduarein Mibli Ish Menyoshe. Their cities, bereft of man or dweller. The next verse in Sifania, Gimel Zayin, 3.7. Omati, I said, Ach tiri osi, however fear me. Take take this guidance. Veloi kares, meono, and do not be cut off from its place. All that I have visited upon her. However, they have gotten up and been utterly destructive. So Rebelazar understands these verses as starting with destruction, pranos, coming to the world, other nations, for the Jewish people to take the Musa. Who is supposed to take that message? Why did this suffering happen? The Jewish people are supposed to take the message. That is what Rebelazar explains from Sefania. So on the, on the one hand, the entire world is blessed through the Jewish people. On the other hand, the Jewish people engage in sin. It has a devastating effect on the world. Both sides of this equation are correct. One is a verse in Genesis, and the other is brought forth from these couple of verses in Sephania. And that is the idea that Targum is telling us. The sins of the house of Israel 
But who suffers this devastation of famine? Iskalkel kol alma. It's destructive for the whole world. That's imperative for the Jewish people to shape up. If we see devastation anywhere in the world, it is the Jewish people's burden to take that message to heart. Because if that is a God-sent devastation, it is on the account of the Jewish people. Jewish people are responsible to a degree for that devastation. Is there really a direct effect on the action of Israel on the condition of the nations then? That is what both the Gemara, Rebbe Lazar is deriving from these verses in Sfania, the devastation of these nations, is the Jewish people should take the Mosar, and the blessings of the nations are through the Jewish people as well, both, both sides. Okay. What about the suffering? The blessing from Abraham, it derives that. The Gemara derives that from the blessing given to Abraham. Correct. Yes. Okay, we bless him. So, if the nations experience devastation, I count on the Jews, and then they take it out on the Jews, does that make Israel responsible for its own suffering? At Certainly. Hands, hands, Certainly. Uh, even persecution, even sure. pogroms, even everything that's happened to us? Sure, there's, God is just. You need to bless the true God, the true judge. It doesn't justify uh, an illegal persecution, but the justice of what transpires is within the framework of God's perfect justice. So that's that's already implicit in the covenant of the parts. Abraham is told that he will God will judge that nation that enslaves the Jewish people. Yeah. Even though this is foretold that they will be enslaved, right. but uh-huh. n- nobody uh, knocked on the Egyptians' door and said, "I call my Hashem." We, God demands that you enslave Jewish people. They decide on their own of their evil designs to do this, and they will bear the consequences of that choice. Yeah. God will judge them. Although, the judgment, the, the suffering of Jewish people was ordained by God. It was not unjust. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Let's look at Rashi. Im Keha Habarza. Chavos Tsurim Shekio PM Vechidulam. This is describing blades of flint that have lost the sharpness and precision. The blade is not in the, the shape that it should be. According to the way Rashi is explaining, it seems 
we're talking about surim of, of rock, so some type of flint, maybe obsidian, I don't know exactly what, but can be ex extraordinarily sharp, but can be blunted. Vuhu fonim, lo fonim kilkal, ve'enom letushim umirutim, and they're not gleaming and polished. Maniyos lehembarak, that they should have this shine. They've not been sharpened. Afal came, nonetheless, in spite of that, v'chayolim yigabim. And the valorous will strengthen themselves, will overcome, magbihu v'melchama, to be victorious in war. Eskibore ha'chayolim natseach. This is referring to the valor of soldiers towards victory. V'yisron hachsher chachma. Umalus kishron yish od l'chachma yosin arbazel. And the advantage of preparedness offered by wisdom is superior to the qualities of iron. Im talmud chacham Masher Panov, the Rav, if the Torah scholar darkens in fa his face through fasting, the Ataru Miskem Ben Ashirim, and you see him as poor among the wealthy, Harbe Chayolim Miskabrim Al Yodom. Many soldiers are strengthened through his hand. Don't be deceived by his appearance of being feeble. This scholar, darkened by fasting, he is the catalyst for the strength of these soldiers. Valtitma avov chelam. Don't be surprised what seems to be the superfluous vavs. Many times in Hebrew language we find vavs presented as such. There are many other examples where the vav is a bit poetic but not used in the standard sequence of in addition, that this presentation of a Talmud Chacham in fasting is reminiscent of the Targum appointing as the leaders to beseech God for mercy. If the broader community appoints the Tamir Chacham in Barzileon, they're ones of iron. To this task, they will reap the tremendous benefits of this wisdom. That's using their strength in a manner that is most effective. The appointment to position of leadership of Tamir Chachamim is done by the broader community. And that's 
that is an act of wisdom to do so. The, the Torah describes the elders as the eyes of the nation. Of course, Chacham Ein of Barosh, the wise one has the eyes in his head. A person should put their eyes in a place where they can see to avoid stumbling. So on a national level, on a group level, it is wise for the group to appoint Talmud HaChachamim to this position, who should be the representatives of the community, who should the community appoint in this challenge, as described by the Targum, to, to besiege God for divine mercy, it should be Barzi Lehon. And that is what Rashi is saying also, Mashri Panabirav, the Talmud is darkening his face in famine, in hunger, combating the famine, as it were. That is an act of wisdom. The designation, they're sharp ones, of, of, they're ones of iron. That's a bit of a, a risk, as it were. Requires having a degree of trust that they will do the job, they will be successful. And no one's perfect. That's why we have the whole tractate of Horios. Although the eyes of the congregation should be placed at the helm in a position of leadership, anyone can make a mistake, any human being can make a mistake. And if so, if the Sanhedrin makes that determination that they were in error in their ruling, under certain circumstances, they need to bring an atonement offering. In a similar vein, a human being shouldn't say, well, there are optical illusions, so I'll just wear patches on my eyes. That's not very smart, is it? We will concede that a person can be deceived by his eyes, as it were. A person could fall suspect to an optical illusion. The eyes might falter. The eyes of the congregation are not infallible. But it is the height of foolishness to say, therefore, because they can make mistakes, let us not place them at the helm. If the eyes can falter, what better organ do you have to see the way? None. So that is the chachma of the klal, of the broader nation, to recognize that. That is using the their tool, the sharpness, to persevere, to succeed, to bring about the divine mercy. Like the Gemara Baba Basra says, if somebody has a sick person in his house, you should go to a Chacham and ask him to pray for him, pray for, for divine mercy. The story told of the Chavetz Chaim, somebody came to him, had some ill person in his household, and he, he said, can you give a blessing, can you help? So the Chavetz Chaim said, why don't you go and ask so-and-so? So there's another person, go, go and ask them to, uh, to pray for you. 
and the person did. And there was a miraculous healing. Uh, many years later, there was another problem in the same person's household. And the person that the Chavetz Chaim said to go to is no longer in this world. So they went back to Chavetz Chaim. Said, I need help. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? He said, when, when you came to me before, I was able to fast. But now I'm too old. I'm not able to fast. I can't, I can't do what I was able to do in my youth. Meaning, he, he, he couldn't uh, achieve the same depth of supplication that he was able to muster in his youth. So there's a power. Fasting is an element of teshuva. It's one of the main tools. Tainus, enactment of a fast. Counterintuitively, Jewish people, you look in the Torah, you fast before the onset of battle with Amalek. Wouldn't you say, eat your Wheaties? Or whatever. <laughs> no, fast. God is our strength. We are approaching God with our true sharpness, with with our prayers, to beseech His mercy. So through the fasting, that is a, the ability to persevere and bring about divine mercy. So it's important. Memanan barzileon, a point, they're ones of iron. Memborachmin, to seek out divine mercy. Before the God of the heavens. That will bring broad benefit. It's that correct foresight, wisdom, better than brawn. What is behind the success of the soldiers, Rashi says, that little old man that's fasting over there looks weak. He is the, the secret sauce, the force behind the success of those soldiers. Is it the weakness induced by the fast? that is effective in prayer? The, I don't know if it is the weakness per se, but the sense of being totally dependent on God that is induced by a state of weakness. Dependence on God induced by the state of weakness. Let's see the Talmud is Chachma. Just to review in the previous verse, because it leads into this one within the Talmud is Chachma's frame, and we didn't look at it last time. So, review of the verse, Masia Avonim, the Otsev Bohem, Aquarius stones, be saddened by them. Okay, Eitzimi Sochen Bohem. One who chops wood will be endangered through them. It says the Talmud's Chachma, Asiya Avonim, Hu Amar Aru Aru Ad Hayasod. Raise, raise to the foundation. This is a description of the enemies of the Jewish people. Asiya Avonim, 
Destroy from the temple. Use it for construction in Jerusalem. Raise the element of covenant, the house of God, as it were, to the ground. The Yotzebahem will be saddened through them. They will be punished afterwards. When it chops, the trees will be endangered through them. All those that chop down the trees of God. These are the sages and their students. He eats Namar al Sadik. The Torah describes metaphorically the righteous as a tree. As is written, and the scouts were sent to scope out the land of Israel. Are there within it? Is there within it a tree? Trashi says, Do they have righteous ones? Is Eov still alive? Job. Conquest depends on not uh, externalized factors, but if they have protection of the righteous, that is going to make it a non-starter. As the Torah says, ad tom, until the conclusion of the iniquity that builds up. But if they have righteousness within them, they will not be uh, eradicated from the land. So the tree is a symbol of the righteous, they will be endangered by them. One who chops down the Chachamim and their Talmidim will suffer at their hands. At their hands and on their account. It means endangered. Behold, our eyes see divine providence. It is impossible to deny or to redirect it. God's providence is at God's discretion entirely. And accordingly, everything that appears wrong, according to the intellect, Amishulach, if somebody sees something that appears an injustice, this also is a part of divine providence. Those that see what appears to be an injustice, see what appears to contradict what makes sense to their intellect, and thereby deny divine providence, that is a reflection of their own weakness, as it were, relying on their intellect to deny divine providence. And they are not interested, they have no will to learn and receive from others to gain insight into the real ways of divine justice, they're closed to that. And this is an introduction into the subsequent verses parable. 
our verse, im kea habarzo, if the blade is blunted, amazekeneged hachokrim, this is presented, this parable, corresponding to those that investigate, keshelo yasigu advarim, betchila sichlam, kofrim, take it, pokrim, take it. Those that try to understand, but if something doesn't fit within the confines of their mind, at first glance, at first evaluation, they immediately go off and deny God, God's providence. And this is the description of the parable. If it is weakened, if it is blunted, like a blade that is not sharpened. Meaning, this fellow, to use common vernacular, who is so quick to dismiss God and divine providence, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And will the valorous prevail? He says this is presented as, as a question, wonderment. Meaning, one must uh, recognize that that this is an error. Yisron hachshe chachma yisrael zeh boy hachana lechachma. If the blade is too blunt, it will not work. It will not succeed at the job that the tool is set out to do. All the more so, there needs to be appropriate preparation for induction and the absorption of wisdom. A person wants to achieve wisdom, they have to prepare themselves properly. They want to cast aside the corner, the, the center of Torah, because something doesn't strike their intellect at first glance as correct. It's flippant. They're rejecting the divine wisdom, which of course transcends them, without investing the necessary effort, the sharpening of that blade, as it were, the preparation necessary to actually correctly understand the wisdom of God. It, this wisdom needs to be understood from within its own framework. One cannot look at it from the outside and, and expect to succeed from one's own standard, not from within its own self, from within the, the wisdom of the Torah. That that is a, a foolish approach to judge it from external factors that are not relevant to the wisdom of the Torah. The preparation to really acquire the Torah needs to be done, and it, one who would reject the Torah based on the fact that it doesn't strike them as correct 
is really revealing that they are this blunted blade. They, they are not actually, uh, they have not done the proper sharpening to, to be effective, to, to actually gain this chachma, this wisdom of the Torah.